are tuning in to Mystic Witch. I'm your host, Blue June, a tarot reader, teacher, and witch. You can find out more about me at bluejunetarot.com. Mystic Witch is a podcast about magic, divination, and all things supernatural. We are here with Debbie, who grew up on a farm, but became a city girl to pursue her art career. She always had magical pretenses, but she was 14 when she received her first tarot deck, and it was a quick journey from there to her magical path. She started her business, Hissy Fit, three years ago, an intersectional feminist witch clothing and accessories line, and opened Cult Party a year and a half after that. Welcome, Debbie. Hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So, my first question that I want to ask you is... What tarot card do you feel represents you and why? Um, I would say, so the deck that I use is called Osho, and um, it's a little bit different, but it's based on the Rider Waite. So I would say in um, Osho, I believe it's Receptivity, and in the regular deck, it's the Queen of Water, and I'm total... (laughs) I am a Cancer rising, um, Cancer sun, and a Scorpio moon. I am all water. And, like, Pisces season right now, I'm a wreck. I'm an emotional wreck. But, yeah, I'm very um, all water, all emotions, all fluid. (laughs) All goddess. Yes. (laughs) I have a friend that when she comes to the shop, she's like, oh, I need my water witch energy. Oh, I definitely feel that when I'm around you for sure. (laughs) It's like, I'm like the, I'm the fire person, Aries Leo rising Mm -hmm. who like craves water all the time. Oh, yeah. I need baths. I need pools. I need oceans. And I need hot water. Yeah. And I need, like, I really like being around fire signs. I feel like it balances me. It gets me out of my own head. (laughs) So, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about how you got introduced to your spiritual path? You want to talk about, yeah, yeah, history? Yeah, sure. Um, So, as a a preteen... I would say this was probably one of the areas it started. I was, like, so into um, exploring the realm, and, like, I'd sit in the library and go through the metaphysical section, you know, and read all the witch books and and sit right on the floor in front of the section. And then we got into trances and Ouija boards. So it was, like, always something that I was really interested in. And then... um, And also, like, growing up on a farm, there was a lot of, um, I don't know, I think there's, like, just a a special connection with just um, the outdoors and the land and plants and everything that I really um, was just really just was natural. You know, I remember when I first... It's kind of a little off topic, but when I first moved to the city, the first thing I remember missing from the farm was being able to go out in the woods and scream at the top of my lungs and no one hear me, which as a teenager (laughs) totally makes sense. But looking at back on adult, like as an adult, I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) But 
I, yeah, like I, you know, I think my spiritual practice began pretty young. And both my parents, even as Christian as they are, they're like total witches, you know, they both like my mom, if something's wrong with her, um, anyone, she'll see them in the mirror, like someone close to her. She'll look in the mirror and she'll see their face and she hates it. She's like, so I was always surrounded by it. And my dad she is. she knows something's wrong with them. Yeah. Either something really bad or something really good. Okay. And she can never tell which one. Yeah. She so just it, sees them. Yeah. So it freaks her out. And my dad has always been, um, he's very psychic. So, and he's also a water witch. So he's like, he can find water with a stick, a cherry choke stick. It's yes. got to be a certain, you know. <laughs> And my sister can do that. So it's just always kind of been around. Um, and, you know, my parents are always like, you got the gift. And, like, even now, like, <laughs> like my mom talking about, like, my witchcraft practice, she, like, she's like, mm-mm. She's like, no, we're all witches in the family. I'm like, oh, my, like, Republican Christian mom. <laughs> Secret witch. <laughs> we're all witches secretly. Well, you yeah. know, it's historically been a very secretive practice yeah. anyway, so yeah. not really surprised. Yeah, and then there's this whole thing on my mom's side of the family of a seventh child of a seventh child and so there's like all this like history of that in the family too obviously the lineage of witches would die out completely if that was the only way that this worked (laughs) because no one's even having children let alone seven seven i know it's so intense (laughs) my sister got me a tarot deck when i was 14 and um and i play around with it but still even at that time it was like i felt like it was kind of um like bad or something (laughs) like it was like uh, there was like a lot of mystery and like wrapped up in it and it was like kind of a little scary but exciting I can relate to this because I was raised in a Christian household as well and stuff like that is labeled as sinful yeah yeah so is that why or yeah more no it was like I would go to these I would constantly be I would have to go to these evangelical Christian camps as a kid and I was always getting in trouble for um doing trances and stuff. And then I'd have to go into the pastor's chambers and he'd like tell us all these like, like scary stories about when he used Ouija boards and like trying to scare us straight. So there was like, like even just around like uh, witchcraft, there was always this like blanket of it's bad, but like really fun. And it was really confusing. I think for me as a kid trying to like, until I finally like, um, just tossed Christianity out the window. And I was, like, a little bit older. I was, like, almost 16, I think, when I finally was just... Not that I tossed it out the window, but, like, there's a lot of um, baggage that comes along with it. And, mm-hmm. like, the shame and the guilt and everything. I was just, like, I'm over it. Like, I'm done. Yeah. But so my first tarot deck was, like, there was a lot of um, emotions and everything into it. And I think... And it was a rider weight, And I, I don't know if I ever really fully connected with that deck. And then I got, when I was 18, my best friend got this um, Osho deck, and we just, like, I just fell in love with that deck. And that's the deck I've been using since. Okay, so uh, tell us a little bit about what the difference is between Hissy Fit and Cult Party. What is Cult Party? What is Hissy Fit? Sure. Um, so Hissy Fit is my my own line where I do. So I used to be um, 
an art director at a t-shirt company and I was getting frustrated that all my best designs were never, you know, like too political, too this, too out there, blah, blah, blah. And so I started Hissy Fit by just taking um, licensed, you know, and I started it actually like seven years ago, but I would just take, um, like my first design was Minnie Mouse, but like uh, turning her into a zombie, like things that I would never be able to do, like just like, cause a lot of the licensed stuff is cartoons and just like really making them, you know, inappropriate. <laughs> and then, but they were always like, uh, with a female edge. So like, they'd always have like pretty nails and like, you know, I was kind of trying to like corner this, like, cause there weren't that many, um, female monster characters that I would see out and like mostly in like streetwear and like skate apparel and it would always frustrate me. And then I restarted Hissy Fit when I was, like, I was actually doing a shopping trip for work. And um, I came across a design that was, like, a skate brand. I'll say it. Rip and dip. And they had done a shirt that was said, don't be a pussy. And it got me so mad. And I was like, fuck you. Like, pussies are so strong. strong. And so, like, <laughs> I, like, went back to work after that. And I did this design that said, I'm a pussy. And then I was like, fuck, fuck everything. Like, I'm going to, you know, like, do, like, more, like, of a feminist, like, kind of, like, graphic little um bit like a lot of attitude a little bit punk rock like uh um t-shirt line and then like um also like with hissy fit like I'll do what the t-shirts are mainly like way more feminist and and then the um but like I'll also do like botanicals and stuff because I grew up on a farm so now I'm so that's kind of where the witch stuff comes in where I'll like make my own herbal bundles and like tinctures and salves and that kind of thing um so it's a little bit of both and then cult party is kind of um became an extension of that kind of by chance I wasn't planning on having a a shop but it just kind of all worked out and um it just naturally kind of formed and then cult party became this this like I I I don't like to think of it as just a shop it's kind of a creature yeah. And uh and that's just like where we carry brands that are, you know, mostly uh mostly female or, you know, um gender queer people. We like to carry a lot of POC, like kind of underrepresented groups that like don't get as much or that have always been marginalized. Um yeah. pushed to the front and then it's also a community center, an event space. It's kind of just like a it's a bit of like a clubhouse, like yeah. play space, um, and I love it. And it's fucking hard as shit to have a retail shop. I can but, I can oh, imagine, especially in February. I'm like, ah, where are the people? Yeah, why won't anyone leave the house? Like, I totally get it. Like, I don't even want to go anywhere right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are some of the really cool events? I know you just had something really recently mm-hmm. for Black History Month. Yep. Um, and what else people can can expect to find there? Yeah, totally. So the um, Black History Month event was amazing. We had um, so many great performers and witches. Um, Mystical Mandrake Root did a talk on connecting with your ancestors um, and, like, ways and tools that you can use to um, connect and guidelines, and it was really good. Stacey Ivory kind of led a circle on um, 
kind of like all of us, it was more, Stacy does a lot more, um, working within creating co-created spaces. So we kind of all shared and opened up and then, um, Carmen X, who's like, a an amazing dominatrix and, um, artist against sexual assault and also a stand-up comic did a stand-up routine that was so good it was just like the whole thing oh Dianca did like Dianca, reading. Yes. oh my god it was amazing and like me and Dianca she's an amazing writer she's so good she's so good if you don't know who Dianca London is check her out and we like have a shared history of like growing up um very Christian and both being like she read one piece. It was about this movie that both really, this movie like really fucked us up as kids. Oh no. Um, called A Thief in the Night. And so she did a piece on that. And I was like, because ah! like we both have just this obsession with this movie because it was, you know, such a big part. But some of the other um, past events that we've done that have been really great, we did a On My Period event with Pussy Powerhouse last year. Nice. And, and that was, it was amazing. We did a whole period wellness, basically about female health. Um, we had medical practitioners, we had witches, um, all kinds of people doing like a panel discussion on your period and reu- mostly focused, geared on um, reusables. Um, and then we had a period fashion show, all red fashion show. It was just like really, I'd never been to a period party before. <laughs> and it was really fun. And then, um, oh, we did, um, uh, Kristen Solday wrote, which is sluts and feminists. We did a reading series last year on where we had a bunch of different writers and she would read clips of the book. And that was amazing. Jackie, the stripper did a performance, a bunch of great writers, um, did readings. Um, and we do like, we do a lot of like, um, clothing drives and stuff so we try to like balance it out so we'll do stuff that are get, that's giving back to the community and um we also want to do a free teen witch circle which we haven't really gotten going yet but that's something i definitely want to do um with people in the neighborhood and there's tarot yeah. as well as lots of different vendors who also make feminist witchy inclusive type of art and media of all different types. If you're looking for enamel pins, if you're looking for, uh, like specialty candles, if you're looking for bath bombs. Oh yeah. Um, and also I sell my products, the broom closet, spiritual yes. soap soaks there. Okay. So just really quickly, I just want to say that, you know, I hope you know that it's recognized that there's more to the effort of you putting a cult party into its existence, maybe not consciously, but you worked your ass off and, you know, selling at markets, you know, getting like, you know, people to recognize your branding. And I thought, you know, when we worked together, we worked together on a few markets and I thought your displays and your eye for detail and your effort and like, just the thought you put into everything as well, even just like the way that appeared, you know, the aesthetics. Um, I was always so impressed. And I think like you're engaging with the people like this was always inevitable in my opinion. And I just want you to know, like I recognize how hard you work to get to where you are to build this beautiful, amazing, super successful space. Oh, thank you. I feel very seen, but I would also like to mention that, um, Cult Party is a cooperative space, so it isn't just me, even though, like, I I founded it, and it was um, my dream 
baby brain child, but like there are, (laughs) I have, I started it with a group of women. I run it with a group of women. Um, it's, you know, shout out right now to mutant land and modern girl blitz. My amazing, lovely dream partners. (laughs) We like, I couldn't ask for better partners in the world. Like it's, I like every time we're together, it's a meet. We have such a good time together. We recently did a Philly. They're so fun. They're so fun. We did a Philly field trip and it was like, it was so fun. They're great. <laughs> it's like all nonstop laughing and silliness. And I can definitely see that. Yeah. It's, I love them. Yeah. So. Okay. So when we come back, uh, Debbie's going to talk about what it means to be a responsible witch and give us some pointers on how to not overstep boundaries in cultures that we may not be exactly entitled to practice in. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Witches, it's Blue, and this is a segment from the Broom Closet. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the dark side of crystals, with a main focus on ethically sourced stones. Now, Debbie Allen, co-owner of Cult Party, an intersectional feminist witch shop in East Williamsburg in Brooklyn, New York, uh, she's going to be talking us through some tips on appropriation and ethically harvested cleansing herbs in just a moment. And we will be talking much more in future shows about ethically sourced magical tools. But just to quickly clarify, gemstones is one of the few magical tools that it would be very difficult to call appropriative. Uh, Crystals grow on every continent. So if someone is saying that I can't use a Canadian jade unless I'm Canadian, that point would be a pretty big stretch. Um, I mean, technically, salt is even a crystal because uh, a crystal is just a solid substance with an internal order that physically manifests in symmetrical or and or geometrical shapes. Basically, it grows geometrical shapes within itself. Um, and so, so salt, salt is considered a crystal, and uh, pretty sure I'm not appropriating that. Uh, we could talk about it though. I'm very, very interested in anyone's opinion on gemstones. Uh, I would love to hear from you. The email for the podcast is mysticwitchpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, please tell me what your opinions are. So let's talk about the dark side of crystals and how that comes to be. The problem that is happening all over the world is that stones are being over-harvested in in extremely unsavory ways. Um, Let me give you some examples. Uh, The workers are sometimes making little to no money. Um, Sometimes they even use child laborers. And this is under extremely dangerous working conditions because these are technically mines. And as you know, Mines are not a forever thing. Do you know of a mine that is safe after forever? Because I don't. The workers are in these mines breathing who knows what, 
<laughs> all of the trauma of, of our the history of our world. Dinosaur farts? Who knows? <laughs> but they're, they're down there, and these children sometimes are down there risking their lives, oftentimes. Uh, and and these the people who, who have them doing this work oftentimes take no little to no account of what the effects of over-harvesting is going to do to the surrounding environment. As you know, this Earth, our planet, has a very delicate ecosystem, and over-harvesting anything can affect everything around it on a molecular level. Um, you know, so the, the mining itself is bad enough, but these stones are non-renewable resources. So what happens when they're depleted? And a lot of places aren't even taking this into account. Do you know how long it takes for a crystal to grow? Look it up. Yeah, be a fun exercise. So as you know, <clears throat> gemstones historically have been used for many different things. I mean, the, their benefits are astounding. You can use it for sore muscles. You can use some for healing chakras, and they're very specific as to which chakra they work best with. Um, you can use them to help stay sober if you're trying to get sober uh you can you can use them for headaches you can use them for anxiety you can use them to open up your psychic awareness and that is like just barely scratching the surface of what some gemstones can do and what their benefits can be and and the reason why they are so very good at this is still a mystery um you know but we do know that gemstones are also very susceptible to energies around them. So when these things are happening around them, they're soaking in that energy, the low morale, the abusive conditions. Um, and then also we, we also have to consider that sometimes these stones are being stolen from land that doesn't belong to the person harvesting them. Oh, we have to really think about these things because our responsibility, as Debbie would say, is to value the earth and honor it, correct? So if we're if you are an on any magical practice, even if you do not consider yourself to be a witch, it is your responsibility to think about these types of things, and it is your responsibility to be very responsible. It's your responsibility to be responsible. What can I say? So while gemstones are taking on all these energies around them, uh, I feel like that is one of the things that gives them all these amazing energetic, electrical, magnetic, and healing properties that medicine is still trying to figure out. These crystals tend to carry the energy of these experiences with them. You can call me crazy all you like, but as a clairsentient sensitive, I have personally felt the depression in a gemstone. So what do we do? Okay, so you the first step, you go to your local crystal shop. You ask the owner, not the person behind the counter. Get the owner's information and find out where they order their crystals from. If they know anything about the physical history of their stones, if they can tell you who their vendor is, if they won't give you that information, 
fine. We're going to move on. Okay. But then you do not know, and it is your responsibility to find this out. Um, so, okay. Let's say you ask and they just don't know. Okay. Does this mean you shouldn't buy it? Not necessarily. I just said your responsibility is to the earth. And what are gemstones? They're earth. Okay. So not necessarily if they don't know if, what if say, let's say they knew that the stone wasn't harvested in a peaceful way. Is it trash? No, we have a responsibility to this stone. Okay. This is my point. We have these high expectations of these crystals to do this amazing work. And what have we offered them in return? What have we offered them to honor them? Anything? No, we just expect them to be a factory of healing and support. What are we doing for them in return? We have a responsibility there too. So I want you guys to think about honoring the land, honoring your magical tools, and almost in an animism way of thinking. Think about those things as though they were living, breathing creatures. Because if you don't honor them, that's when you get that's when you get the dark side. That's that's the easiest way to get the dark side. You know, we know that crystals break when they are tired. We know that. And if you don't know that, that's what that means. When your stones break in half, chip away, they're done. And then the responsible thing to do is return it to the earth. And that is the way to honor that stone. That's what they want. But there is a way to honor them before they go to the grave. So what else can we do? to honor these stones, the stones that may have this trauma that could be depressed. Um, If you're not sure, you're going to want to do some very specific healing practices for this stone, and we owe it to them. They do a lot for us, and I think it's time, beyond time, for us to start thinking about what we owe in return for things. When you ask a deity for something, you usually give them something in return. When you ask the universe for something, you got to show it that you're working for that thing and you have to you have to honor that in return. So why would why would gemstones that are literally earth by themselves on their own already, why would that be any different? Why would we not be responsible to heal these stones? So how do we do that? How do we heal them? Uh, The first thing is you have to do your research. I'm not going to sit here and educate you. My podcast, the point of it is not for education on that level. There are plenty of other podcasts out there that are doing that. But if you have questions, please feel free to email me. As I said, the email is mysticwitchpodcast at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer your questions, but you can do your own research, and people need to start educating themselves instead of asking someone to teach them because all you have to do is Google, I have a piece of selenite, how do I cleanse this stone? And it's going to be different than a lot of other stones. A lot of people don't know that selenite can be toxic, 
a lot of people don't aren't aware of that. You know, people want to drop stones in their water all the time, but you got to be really careful what you're drinking water with because selenite ain't the one. It is not the one. And you have to do your own research. Are you, are you able to cleanse with some sort of water? Are you able to cleanse with the moon, the sun? Well, how does it vibrate? If you're not fully connected in a clairsentient way and no one expects you to be, then the thing is you're going to want to ask someone who is and see if they can feel the energy of your stone. And there are people out there who would be more than happy to tell you how your stone is doing and what its health is like. Um, but each stone has its own needs and its own properties, its own life, its own life force. And it's very specific to each one. And you're going to have to take care of them in those ways. And I feel like that's just the beginning of the healing process, but that is a really good start. So I want you to start thinking about that. Everybody just take that into account. Thank you so much. And this has been the broom closet. To Mystic Witch, uh, we are here with Debbie, and um, so basically, we we're gonna jump into the more sort of, I guess, political aspects of the discussion. Um, and we were talking about how you have a workshop coming up that's going to gu- like guide people in in kind of developing their own herbal bundles, correct? Yeah. Is that yeah. right? So do you want to talk a little bit about that and why this is such an important part of witchcraft in 2019? Yeah, totally. So I think that as witches that we know that the words we use have a lot of power and, um, they don't call it spells by mistake. Yeah. And like in writing this, um, you know, at the shop, we only carry, um, we carry all herbal bundles that I make. And a lot of the times it goes with the seasons too. And we're trying, so we're trying to be responsible in the sourcing of our plants and, um, everything that we, we use, even our Palo Santo right now, we, we get from, um, uh, a friend that lives in Ecuador. So we know that it's coming from a, you know, a responsible place. Um, but anyway, like, so those, so the re- one of the things that I learned when creating this workshop was the term smudging and smudge and how that term is a Native American practice and how we as responsible witches should not be using that term. Um, it, it's, there's been a history amongst Native people in Americas where their religion has been suppressed Um, There were even laws in the late 1800s, I think 1892, that made it illegal for Native Americans to practice their religion. Um, So as as white people, as non-Native people, um, we need to respect that. Now, what terms can we use? Herbal bundle. There has been a practice of smoke cleansing through, you know, I mean, incense was, I think, developed in Egypt. Throughout the world, people have used in in Europe. A lot of peasants would use it to actually um, fumigate and get rid of parasites, um, not only as a spiritual practice but as a um, a real 
something that needed to be, you know, it was very day in, day out type of practice. Um, now that being said, what herbs should we be using? Um, if we are going to use white sage, my opinion is that we should either grow it ourselves or, um, we should source it from native American sources. Um, because a lot of the time when we, sage's overuse is causing, um, a lot of the wild plants that you would find to, um, disappear. So Mm -hmm. people that, you know, native people that don't have that, don't have the resources to go buy a, a sage stick, um, you know, it's kind of disappearing. Um, anyway, and also like, just find what herbs you, you, you really connect with. There's a lot of herbs that we can be burning, um, in the winter time, cedar, juniper, pine, all of these things. Um, pine actually has a lot of, um, anti, uh, microbial properties and you burn it. Um, all of those three, I feel like are very good in the winter time. Um, you can use rosemary, you can use mugwort if you want to have some really wild dreams. Um, <laughs> rosemary to uh, mystical mandrake root was really talking about using it as a, um, a space cleanser, like hanging rosemary around in the corners of your room to kind of claim your space and keep um, the spirits <laughs> in in kind of in check and not having to like go all over the house <laughs> or whatever. It's like, and then there's uh, lavender. You want a calming, you know, vibe. We have, um, oh, eucalyptus. You know, there's a ton of different herbs that um, you can burn. We have a bunch of those in the shop. And it's kind of just, you know, seeing what you really connect with. Um, so, yeah, that's my little spiel and we're doing a class I'm going to be doing a class on it um so stay tuned follow the Cull Party Instagram Cull Party NYC um yeah all right Debbie well thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing all that really important responsible witch behavior with us thank you okay bye bye Follow us at Mystic Witch Podcast or email mysticwitchpodcast at gmail.com.